Hey, it's Chris, and this is it. This is our last summer hiatus episode that you will have to listen to. After next week, or starting next week, we will be live. And, as always, well, as I've been saying forever, if you are part of our live audience on the 24th, that's next Monday at 8.30 um, Central Time, just go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live, and you'll see all the details. But if you're part of the audience, you will be, well, possibly able to win a $100 gift card to Amazon or Cool Stuff. So um, this is really just me trying to pay you guys to come back and listen to us live. Anyway, this episode was Fletcher's first episode. And, well, I guess technically his second episode, since you listened to his first episode a few weeks ago, uh, the Drinking Games one. So we decided to re-listen to this one. Uh, We get Josh's perspective at the end as well. In general, though, this is really now it's kind of sad of the retrospectives because this is our last retrospective as well we're gonna have to do more of those i think but we won't do it in such a huge batch next time um but anyway everyone here is doing great and we are looking forward to talking to you for real next week in the meantime have a great great week and again tabletopgametalk.com slash live if you want to join us next monday night here's the show Welcome to Tabletop Game Talk on Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're looking at what makes a casual gamer just a casual gamer. Of course, we can't do that without looking at non-gamers and hardcore gamers, so we'll talk about that as well. Oh, and this will be a good way to figure out what kind of gamer Fletcher is, too. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Emil Jiljam, George Gia, Adam Harrison, the SGC, and Thomas Achiretti, which I have been told by his wife that I say it perfectly. Excellent. And can you, you can it keep right saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, thank you. Rebecca, thank you. Um, and a huge thank you to all our other patrons as well. So, first... We have a new intro voice, Fletcher. Hello. Yeah, we're going to get... Sort of new. Sort of new. Second time. Yes. Do you remember the episode number you were on before? 35. 35. And the topic? Well, it was drinking games. Yes. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to episode 35 on drinking games, and you really want to meet Fletcher and, and meet the real Fletcher, um, listen to that one. Also, Kitty and I don't remember <laughs> it much. <laughs> it was one of our most fun episodes ever. And there is a YouTube version of it with outtakes oh my gosh. at the end. There are outtakes. I remember this now. Yeah. Yep. Why are we reminding people? Um, Because I love that episode <laughs> so much. We will have to revisit drinking games. Um, I'll have to get Tom's permission. <laughs> hey, Tom, I, I just, it may not be super family friendly, but we'll keep it above board as much as possible. Yeah. So, but we're going to meet Fletcher in a minute with all this whole topic is really about because I don't really know surprise this is all about you yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> and I so uh, some history for Fletcher and I um let's see we've known each other for what four and a half years now yeah approximately. yeah um Fletcher came to the company I was working at and working at we still work at the same company yeah um as an intern 
And then we hired him on us full time. And then he's gotten a couple promotions since then. And now I, he's your boss. No, <laughs> basically, <laughs> put it simply, he does all the work that I should do. So it, it still works out really well. Um, I introduced him to Carmen, who you'll hear all about as well. I'm sure during this episode. So yeah, I'm not gonna. Carmen's say, my girlfriend. Yep, <laughs> yep. So we, uh, for now, for now. <laughs> Jeez. You make it seem like I'm going to dump her or something. Uh, no, I'm thinking the other way. But sorry, Carmen. She going to listen to this at all? I have no idea. Probably not. Probably not. No, she'd be like, I don't get what you guys. Spencer doing. doesn't either. No. <laughs> Sydney does. That's great. Uh, that she's she started listening, so she'll tell me many times something's wrong. I love it when she texts me like the day it drops. Like, oh my gosh, I totally agree with you. It's great. Yeah. Yep. It's usually something you said that's wrong. Yeah, she usually texts me. It's like I totally disagree with what you just said there. <laughs> So and and I, I have no idea what she's doing either because it's just like an out of the blue text message I'm getting. It's like you were so wrong about that. I'm like wrong about what? <laughs> like all right, whatever. Um, but a quick thank you to and this is a, a iTunes name. And every time I do these fast switches, it feels like a bad edit, but really it was just me switching really fast. Um, to Jerry Bear Texas, I'm going to say Jerry Bear Texas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh hey. Fletcher's from Texas. I'm from Texas. I'm yeah. from Austin. <laughs> Without the accent. Why don't you have... Austin doesn't really have much of an accent. It though, doesn't, right? no. And my both my parents are from California. Okay. So. All right. That explains it. Um, but he left us a review on the Dice Tower Net News uh, podcast. Oh, so, awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. We're looking to build that review set back up. So please leave us a review and we will thank you forever. So Jerry Bear. I'm just going to call you Jerry Bear. We're on that first. <laughs> I'm going to call you Texas. <laughs> I like that too. Um all right, I think we got to let's let's just get right into the topic because I do want to address one person's feedback first because I think it's a really really valid point and then we're going to put Fletcher on the spot here. So Eric, you know who you are. Um I, I, I'm avoiding saying his <laughs> last Eric, name. Eric, we won't now. say your last name yeah. anymore. Eric, you've scared me into saying it. Please just tell me how to say it right so I can say it again. Um, but he made a pretty good point on our Board Game Geek input thread on casual gamers. So we're talking about casual gamers today. What makes a casual gamer versus a non-gamer versus a hardcore gamer? Does it really matter? Um, spoiler alert, no. But there are useful reasons <laughs> to talk about it. But Eric says, casual speaks to the level of seriousness or enthusiasm with which one pursues an activity. And I don't think people have a misconceptions about their own enthusiasm. Basically, what he's getting at is if you want to know if someone's a casual gamer or not, you just ask them. He says, nor do they have to desire, nor do they have a desire to misrepresent their own level of engagement. Um, I'm, I mostly agree that they, nobody usually has a desire to misrepresent, but sometimes people will misrepresent themselves because they're just not sure because you've never really thought about it. Yeah. Keep reading. All right. Finish this sentence before we start talking about it. All right. I'm going to keep reading. He says, we don't need any kind of metric or test. If someone would call himself a casual gamer or herself a casual gamer, then that's what he or she is. What's the point of trying to determine that for someone else? Labels like casual or hobbyist or enthusiast shouldn't be used as class terms anyway. I agree with this. Yeah. I don't think we were trying to use them as class terms. I think we are trying to, when you meet someone and they say, I am a casual gamer, to have kind of an idea of what that means for us, yep. what you should expect from them, what would be maybe good recommendations to give, where they are in that level of game. What what does that mean? Yep. We're and all about definitions. Exactly. And the more I started looking into this, because anytime we do a show topic, especially something broad like this, we want to have 
something to drive that conversation. And the more I started looking into this, the more that there's a lot of interesting nuances to this. So we're not looking at labeling someone a casual gamer. We're looking at what are the things that put where we're at on the gamer interest spectrum. Because we have, this podcast has been focused on having those different levels. Yeah. You know, if we were to do this, I would say I am more of the hardcore gamer. Kitty, you're more of the family gamer. Yeah, I guess I put myself in like bordering between casual and hardcore. It's like I'm I'm the most hardcore of casual gamers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and Josh is our perpetual non-gamer yeah. slash super casual gamer, but gamer interest. So we don't need to label people. Fletcher, what's your label? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I would probably... So I was thinking about this, and it really depends on who you're talking to and, like, who's asking the question. Because, I mean, out of us three, I would say that I am probably more of the casual gamer type. But if you look at Carmen, my girlfriend, she would classify me as a hardcore gamer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like, you know, who's doing the asking and who's doing the talking. And that kind of clarifies, you know, like your level of interest in, into something. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because you, I think, definitely put me in the casual gamer category or like less than hardcore. But I am the most hardcore gamer of most people I know. Yeah. And and that's what's interesting about this topic. So that's why I don't want anyone, if you're listening to this podcast, I would consider you already at least at the enthusiast level. Yeah. You're listening to a board gaming podcast. Now, some of you out there, hi, Becky, are listening because you're friends of ours. And and you actually, I I think that in a certain way, if you listen every week, you become more of an enthusiast. You're hearing terms over and over. You're hearing games described, um, different subjects. And just by being knowledgeable about something, you become more enthusiastic about it. You kind of switch from that novice casual level and you start to get at least ready to take that next step. But if I don't know you and you're still listening, you may be a casual gamer to you, to your friends, or maybe amongst your friends, you're the most casual, but you know, amongst your family, you're the most hardcore gamer they know. So don't, don't take anything we're saying as us trying to label. We're going to tr- sort of look at a number of different ways of evaluating this and give you our opinions from a number of different viewpoints, because that's what we do. And we will be wrong about some of them. We'll be... Do with our misinformation <laughs> what you will. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we had the feedback episodes. So take Yeah, notes. I'm excited to hear what everyone else thinks about how wrong we are. Yes. If we're <laughs> wrong, let us know. Um, feedback at tabletopgamedoc.com. <laughs> All right. I love our input threads because usually what I can do is use those to drive the show notes. And Terrence did a pretty good job at giving us some start off questions. And I added a few more to my own. So we're going to go through these questions and kind of see how on that spectrum of non gamer, casual gamer, hardcore gamer. And again, this is just miscellaneous, like basically labeling points on a a line, knowing that everyone this, I think as we go through this, we're going to find out that it's more of one of those, what's the graph where it's kind of a 2D graph and it it's like a spider web looking thing where you a little bit higher. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I have no oh, idea what that's called. I don't know what that's called. But when it's on you big, big brain academy and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um but we we were talking about this on Dice Tower News. They have 
the gamer the, the personality, gamer personality test. test where it told you like do you like to conquer versus explore do you like to do these things and it it makes the web it's a little spider it looks graph. like a spider web yeah, yeah. i call it a spider web graph but i think that's where we're gonna, I'm gonna end have up to here. look up the real <laughs> word for out. this okay you guys keep talking all right well let's start out um, fletcher to you what would you have to be to what would someone have to do to label them just like a non-gamer a non-gamer? Yeah, someone who just, like, this person is not interested in games. Like, what is that? To me, that's, like, someone that pretty much they don't really play any games. Aside from, like, maybe one or two. Like, okay, like, they'll play poker occasionally or, like, solitaire when they're bored or something like that. But to me, that's pretty much, like, what a non-gamer is. So someone who would play a game that they didn't have to learn rules for... Because they're just inherent. They grew up with them. Right. So, yes, okay, fine. And it's like, okay, Monopoly, price. you know, whatever. I grew up with a Monopoly board. like, But they're never ever going to pull it out and play it, really. All right. And then, Kitty, to go over to you, what is a hardcore gamer? I I don't know what a... I, I, I'm still looking up what this graph is. So I wasn't <laughs> expecting the question. Um, a hardcore gamer... It's really tough because I think in some ways it's the kind of game you play and in some ways it's how often you play. Okay. So I would say that a hardcore gamer, anyone who can sit down and play Twilight Imperium, what are we on, 4 now? If you're playing TI4, you are a hardcore gamer. I don't care if you play it once a year. If that's your game that you like to play, I'm putting you in like the hardcore category. You are really into this. It's an intense game. You have to really know it. It's not something that like you're just going to casually pick up. But somebody who also, even if you're playing something like Herbalism or Carcassonne, those level games, but you're playing them multiple times a week. That also, to me, feels hardcore. But maybe not. I don't know. So, and just to clarify, when we talk gaming, we are talking tabletop, board, card, role-playing games. Um, When you apply this to video games, it's actually... the definition. Well, the definitions are a little bit more solid in a video game, right? Yeah. Like, if you're running around doing first-person shooters, and that is your thing, and you're doing that 20 hours a week, you're a hardcore gamer. Right. But... You know, if you're playing Candy Crush, you're a casual gamer. Well, I mean, what if you play Candy Crush a lot? But I still, I don't know. I still might think of that as casual, though, right? Because do you go from Candy Crush? Casual hardcore gamer? Um, Hardcore casual gamer? An excessive casual gamer. (laughs) Excessive? (laughs) But that's where we get into some of these questions. So let's get to Terrence's questions. Because I think um, he had a few of them. And like I said, I added a few more. So his first one was, if you're going to you know, compare casual gamers versus um, hobbyist gamers. Actually, Christy mentioned that she likes to use the term hobbyist gamer um, as opposed to, or hobby gamer, as opposed to hardcore gamer, which I think is great because I think that kind of emphasizes the hobby, our hobby more. And when you're a hobbyist gamer, it's the hobby in general that you're looking at. The games are just something you can play inside of that. Right. So Terrence is like, well, casual versus hobbyist. How often do you play? How, How important is that? Like, I may not play that often, but I follow games all the time. I'm reading rule books all the time. I'm watching Watch It Plays all the time. Am I a casual gamer or am I a hobbyist gamer if I'm doing that? I think you would be more of the hobbyist. And I think that this is something that Eric called out. It's not necessarily how often you play. It's your level of engagement. I like that term that he used. Level of engagement. So 
if maybe you don't have the opportunity to play very often, you live in an isolated area, you don't have a lot of friends that you can game with, but you are engaging with the hobby in different ways. I think that that makes you more than just a casual gamer, that you, if you are taking the time to engage with it on any level, that it brings you further into the hobby. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree with that because I was thinking about like, you know, what if a person plays Magic the Gathering? Right. But only Magic the Gathering. Like that is a hard, I mean, it can be a very hardcore game. You can get really into that game. But if that's the only game you ever play, you might not be like a hobbyist gamer, but you are like a hardcore gamer gamer yeah because well in a lot of these lifestyle games are sort of like that so magic the gathering is a great one because you somebody can play magic gathering and only that play it every single day multiple times a day when they're not playing it they're building decks and they're on the forums yeah looking at the meta strategy all that stuff yep they're discussing that is definitely hardcore they're on ebay buying (laughs) the cards they need or selling yeah yep so that is a hardcore like engagement into that game I would not say that they are a casual gamer, but as far as like a hobbyist gamer, they may not be a hobbyist gamer. Right. You know, they are a lifestyle gamer. So I think that's interesting if you, because you separate that, like how often do you play thing and what you play, which is his next question. Um, not maybe his next question, but I added it and there was someone else added it here. <laughs> what you play. Does what you play matter? I don't know. I I don't know if any of this matters. <laughs> Worst topic ever. Way to go, Chris. Um, but I think it's an interesting bad topic. I, <laughs> thanks, thanks. I if you're talking, I yeah, because if we're talking video games again, the Candy Crush, like if we're, but I don't know, because if you're searching out new and different, like entry level games, if you're looking out there for. What's going to be the next Santorini? What's going to be the next Carcassonne? They're going to be easy to pick up, easy to teach. But you're looking into the hobby. You're doing the research. You're finding them out. Then I think that you're more engaged with it. You're more into the hobby. Whereas somebody who I play Ticket to the Ride or Ticket to Ride, I don't know. Like, what's something more serious? What's like a real serious game? If somebody's playing that over and over and over again, I would say they're less engaged maybe than the person who's out there searching the maybe lighter, but they're looking for the new thing all the time. I don't know. I would say that the type of game you play doesn't necessarily matter. Because if you think about, I'm thinking about poker, for example, right. the rules to poker are relatively simple. Yep. But well, depending on which of the 900 kinds of well, poker even just you're five playing, card Texas Hold'em, five-card yeah. draw, yeah. Texas Hold'em or five-card draw. Like, the rules to that game are actually fairly simple. But yeah. people take it very, very seriously, obviously. Yeah. So, and those people are essentially hardcore gamers. Yeah. But I wouldn't call them hobbyist gamers. No. Yeah. But and like, I think that's a lot of the, the hardcore versus the hobbyist is a lot of hardcore gamers have, like, my game. This is my game that I play. They are always playing the same thing. And maybe a hobbyist is somebody who's more engaged with the genre as a whole. Like, we're talking about, um, this reminds me of our $250 game collection. So our one of our previous episodes was to spend $250 on Amazon to create your collection. And a lot of our, I would say, maybe hardcore people said, oh, I'm just going to buy $250 worth of Keyforge decks right? Yeah. or something like that. Whereas some of our hobbies are like, well, I need a game to fill this niche and this one and this one. And 
maybe that's one way to kind of make that distinction a little bit. The spider web is kind of sprawling out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like a hobbyist to me makes more of a circle, whereas a hardcore gamer might look like a spike in one direction. Right. So, and then I think that's an easy way. And like, honestly, bringing up poker is a great example because it is something that is very, very simple. Because you could look at poker and Magic the Gathering and you will have people who will play poker every single day. And you'll have people who play Magic the Gathering every single day. They're both playing a card game. The intricacies of Magic the Gathering are very different than those of poker, but both of them have those intricacies, whether it's with interaction with different cards and rules versus the social, like social reading and bluffing of poker. Also the percentages, knowing how the cards are likely to come up, what mm-hmm. what's been played, and just remembering all of the the chances, the odds yep. that are so, out there. And both of them can be hardcore gamers, but you're right in that they're not really hobbyist gamers in that they're not invested in the hobby. They're invested in a specific game. I just, I think that's interesting. All right, let's go on to the next question here because <laughs> um, how important is the outcome of the game to you? Does this matter as far as the type of gamer? Because for me, I will say I love learning all kinds of games. I'm a cult of the new person. I want to buy new games, play new games. Once I played a game once, maybe twice, you know, I'm ready to move on to the next game. Even if I really, really liked that game. Rarely do I care whether or not I win. I'm exploring the system. So I don't actually usually care if I win. Now, Keyforge is an exception, but I would say that that (laughs) is a different kind of game. And for me, Keyforge does not feel... It doesn't feel the same hobbyist game feeling as the board games that I play. In fact, for a while, I was playing so much Keyforge that, you know, Sydney and I are like, okay, we got to play a game that's not Keyforge just so we can get back into the hobby, you know, <laughs> which is kind of ironic, but it's, it's something where we were being very competitive in Keyforge and not a bad, and not in a bad way. It's just, we loved playing it and like, oh, I won that time. Okay. Let's try it again. Let's try this deck. Let's vary this. So when I think of winning and losing and putting that in there, to me, it's not that important, but I don't know what, it, like for you guys, is that something that's important? If you're playing a game, do you really want to win? And does that change your level of gamerness? I would say that the more I've been playing, the less winning matters to me. That as I get more into the hobby, the more interested I am in the, I want to try a new strategy and I don't really care if I win. I just want to see how it works. Or I want to learn a new rule set. So I'm just going to play this game casually because I don't want it to take three hours. I just want to learn the game and I can know if I want to play it again and really sink my teeth into it. Maybe maybe I don't, so I'm never gonna get that deep into the strategy of that game. You know, once I once I get the taste of it, I'm like, oh, I either want more, I know I don't. So right. like so making that distinction. So yeah, I'd say maybe for me, the more I get into it, the less winning matters and the more it's about the experience. So you're almost saying as a hobbyist, as you get more into the hobby, winning becomes less important for you. But when you were less into the hobby, when you played a game, if you're going to play a game, you might as well win. Yeah. All right. What are you about, about you, Fletcher? I mean, I think she's just described me. Okay. Like, <laughs> I mean, if I'm, always, if, I'm, if I'm playing a game, I feel like I'm trying to play to win. Otherwise, I don't understand the point of playing the okay. game. Because if I didn't care, then I just wouldn't play. So you are more of the, yeah, if I'm going to play... I want to win. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm going to have fun. I also want to have fun. If the game isn't fun, then I'm not going to play it again. But like, if I'm going to play, I'm going to, I'm going to play to win. And that's where it was like, 
three years ago when we started this podcast. Like, I think we talked about, like, this might need to be a revisit is like playing to win was one of our earliest topics. And me and Josh were just baffled. You're like, what do you mean you don't play to win? And like, yeah, I'm trying to win games all the time, but it doesn't matter to me as much as it used to. Like, I used to, like, if I didn't win, I was mad about it. But no, we just played Wingspan. I didn't win. But it was a close game, and I thought it was really fun to see how... I won the game. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was really fun to see how we each used a completely different strategy, a completely different approach to get a score within 10 points of each other. Yeah, it was an eight-point spread. Yeah. In the 70s. Yeah. Yep. And I thought that was so interesting. Fletcher had three bonus cards that he was playing against. You had... I was just building birds. You had birds (laughs) all over the place. And I was caching food and tucking cards. So for like the first ones, like the first three scoring tiles, it looked like I was just going to lose pathetically. And then you guys had zero, 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 zero. And I had like tens and twenties in those ones. So yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. And I think that's interesting because... Yeah, like, Fletcher, you want to win. And I'm interested to see over the next couple of years, because we're going to make you play a lot more games. Yeah. yeah. If you're like, I oh, hope God. you knew that this was a year's commitment you signed <laughs> into. <laughs> that contract it was in blood, right? Yeah. You know? Okay. Yep. <laughs> and it's all all on tape. So, well, what passes for tape these days anyway. So, it's all good. <laughs> it's all on SD card. Exactly. But, and then as you kind of play more, you... The winning part doesn't matter as much as just the having the fun part. And we've been playing a lot of co-op games, too, where you're you're competing against the board. So winning or losing together as a group, as long as it was fun, still is a satisfying experience. Where it's like, you know, if every co-op, every time you played a co-op game, you could win every single time, it wouldn't be interesting. So, yes, you're playing to win, but you can't be upset that you lost because otherwise it's, you don't want to gimme. I also have been really enjoying Betrayal Legacy. And that one is... It, like, splits into teams. Oh, yeah. And it feels like because you switch teams every time you play, possibly. Although I haven't been the bad guy yet. You were the bad guy at least once. I think we were all the bad guy once. Well, yeah. We're going to have to check the record. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I have, though. But it's fun because you... you move around the team and it doesn't really feel like a solid team the whole time. It's more of, Oh, what's happening here? like, what's it's the story, right? It's more fun unlocking the story than it is to win or lose beyond the winning and losing team. And yeah, you have to play it to your fullest when you're playing, but once it's done, it's like, I get to write my fate and it's just been a fun experience and I want to do it again. I want to play the next one and not, because I want to win the next scenario, but because I want to see what happens next. We're almost halfway through, and I haven't won yet. <laughs> so, And I'm still having fun doing it. Yeah. All right. So this next one is actually interesting, too. Is And this may actually kind of classify you versus, you know, casual, hobbyist, non. Is how much time do you spend in prep to play a game? So... And prep can be a lot of things. If I'm playing Keyforge, maybe I'm looking through my decks and I'm studying card rulings and I'm listening to podcasts on how other people are playing. Um, same thing goes for Magic or any of the, the dueling stuff. It can just be a lot of meta game stuff outside of it. Or it can be, I just bought a new game. I'm going to read the rules. I'm going to watch a video. So I'm learning everything so that when people come over, I can just teach them and they don't have to prep anything. They're just showing up. So how does this, like... Your willingness to commit to learning or doing or teaching yourself about the game before anyone else, does that change your level of gamerness? I mean, I would say yes, but it goes back to, again, like what your who your audience is. So 
being the most casual gamer here in this group, I am not the most casual gamer in like another circle of friends. And when it came down to it, learning how to play, um, what's that game? That, uh, uh, now I'm, uh, it's the big box game that I opened up and put away kingdom death. Yeah. Monster. Kingdom death. <laughs> yeah. When it came to learning how to play kingdom death, it fell on my shoulders to teach other people how to play that game, even though I didn't even own that game. The game wasn't mine, <laughs> but I'm the one that watched the Let's Play and read all the rules online and everything, and then sat down, I opened up the box, and like taught everyone how to play the game. So, But I feel like in another circle of friends, that, that wouldn't necessarily be me. It would be Chris. It would be Chris. <laughs> so when you're doing that... But you you have this desire to be like learn the game and not. I want to learn the game and I want to. So I want like an easy transition experience for like everybody involved. And I guess the other people involved weren't uh, as motivated as I was because I wanted to like jump in like okay let's get started playing. Um, but I had to end up teaching everybody like how to play this game. So you think that if you hadn't taken that role, would the game have ever hit the table? It would have. Um, but I just wouldn't have been as prepared. So you would have basically everyone would be kind of muddling around learning the game as you're all sitting at the table. Exactly. Because nobody took the initiative to do it. Yeah. I, I can see that. What about you, Kitty? Like, how much time do you spend prepping for the games that you really like to play? I think I don't spend a lot of time prepping because I enjoy replaying games. So I remember the rules and maybe I'll spend a couple minutes rereading the rule book. And I would say my level of engagement with prepping, it's not so much prepping ahead of time, but being the person who's like in charge of the rule lookup. Cause okay. I think that there's always somebody at the table who's going to be the person holding the rule book, holding the rule book who, or even if they're not holding it, they know where it is in the box. So if a question comes up, they're going to pull it out and look it up there. There has to be the kind of game manager at the table. And oftentimes it doesn't fall to me when I'm in my more hobby circles. But if I'm with my family, for sure, I'm the person who has the rule book. I'm the person looking that up. And even if it's a game I've played a bunch of times, I feel like there's always these little edge cases that come up every once in a while. Or for the first round, I'm going to give everyone refreshers. Like these are the steps we take. That to me, make like takes me that step further like even with the most casual of games there's always somebody who's kind of running the table if you've got something with board maintenance the person who does the board maintenance all the time like that person to me it may not be prep but it still feels like the same kind of role the the game management all right to the other side of the game how often have you guys read the rule book after your first play of a game I don't have a lot of free time, so I don't use <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to read a rule book with a one-year-old trying to crawl in your lap, trying to eat the rule book? I have told you over and over and over, they have colorful duct tape, which works just fine for kids. Just saying. I don't but, know if you're telling me you, to duct tape my child still or to duct tape my rule books back together. Um, this is on tape, so I'm not going to clarify it, but <laughs> take it as you will. But um, I think that... Just given the like, do you have this compulsion to do that? So you just got done playing a game, and do you have this desire to read the rules from cover to cover, or as much a cover to cover as can to say, okay, this is how I played the game, this is what I know about it now, I have some context, so now when I read these rules, I can apply it to what we did. Have Have you ever done that? I have. I've definitely done that for a few times, especially with Gloomhaven. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I mean, I've read that 
cover to cover ahead of time and then played a few scenarios and then it's like okay i'm gonna read the rule book again cover to cover and make sure i, I understand everything that's going on because i do that with practically every game i teach um because what ends up happening is i'll read the rules ahead of time then i'll teach it and oftentimes i will read the rules while i'm teaching it just to clarify things and then once we've played it i'm like okay i know we messed something up because you know, we only read the rules once and I'll read it again and be like, oh, this rule and this rule we messed up. So next time we play it, we should do this. At least I used to do that. Lately, I haven't because we've been playing so many games that I haven't really got back to the rule book. But I used to do that all the time and just like still wanting to do that investment of saying, OK, what what was this game? Now that I know about it. What did we do wrong? And I really want to play it again. But then oftentimes people are not as enthused about the game. That's actually one problem with being overly enthusiastic about this hobby is most people are not at your level. <laughs> and even in this group, right? Like I'm like, so Fletcher, uh, we're, we're at Kitty's house right now. And Fletcher and I came over and we played two games today. So we played wingspan to start. And that was the second game that we all played. So you two had yes. started a game, but didn't finish it. And I played a game with Sydney. And then this is the first game that we all played together and that game, I picked that game specifically because it was something that we all played. It was easy to get started and just get going. There was a stack of games literally six feet high in my game room. And I'm looking down that list of what games I could bring over to play. And I'm like, most of these games, I'd have to invest too much time to learn them before I go. And then we'd spend a lot of time just kind of figuring out the game. Sure. And I wanted to play something. Right. So I could have said, hey, you guys go watch some videos and read the rule book on this. So when we get there, we've all read them around the same place. But like you said, Kitty, you have a one-year-old that you're working with. And <laughs> Fletcher, you're like, I don't know if I want to be in this podcast, but I, I guess. This seems like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to go. We got to boil the frog. We can't. Exactly. We can't dump them in the boiling water right away. We got we got to slowly warm it up, Chris. <laughs> exactly, but it does it for me. It sometimes puts me on a different, um, just a different mindset of what I feel I can present to my friends and my, you know, just and that's really what this subject comes down to. Is it's not that you guys are casual gamers. In fact, in a lot of people's eyes, you're hardcore gamers. Like you're on a gaming podcast, but the relative level just changes. And try understanding what you guys are willing to do is helpful for me to say, okay, where can I bring you up and where do I just don't need to worry about trying to have you do other things? Yeah, I think I understand that. And I think, you know, in some ways it comes down to time. Like if you had texted me at 10 a.m. and said, hey, watch this one hour how to play video of this game, I'd be like, whoa, I don't have time for that. I've got life going on. But if you had texted me on Tuesday and said, hey, find time in the next five days to watch this, I totally could have done that. And that would not be asking too much for me. But it's asking too much for me because then you make me make a decision five days ahead of time. <laughs> I know. I know. It's planning. I know. Oh, yes. Planning is not Chris's truck suit. <laughs> you have to do too much of it at work. You can't handle it in your personal life. So. There's a lot of juggling <laughs> I do in the world. Um, so, yeah, there's some of that to me where I can't just like pick up a game on the fly. And I think that's just lifestyle a little bit. Like I 
have much more. I have to schedule my gaming time. So I've got to know what I'm going to do ahead of time. We've got to put these things on the calendar weeks in advance so I can make sure we've got babysitting or it's happening during nap time mostly or whatever it is so that I can get my, like, make the most of my gaming time. I don't want to spend a lot of my time that I have sitting at the table learning a complex rule set. I'd rather be able to spend that time up front outside of table time. Like, to me, there's like, the at the table time makes you one kind of gamer, but like the away from the table time is something like that makes it a whole, yeah. it's a next level. Which is what I think gets to this question is how much do you how much prep prepping time? So I don't play? know how much I would say is prep yeah. or how much is like engaging yeah, outside of the game. I would actually even call it like, and, and meta gaming can mean a lot of different things, but I think this is, it's sort of that meta game. Like, what do you do outside of the game? You're not playing the game. So it's outside of the game to prepare, get ready for, you know, recap or whatever. That aspect and how much you do of that can play a big part in how other people perceive you in general. And maybe this is just, this is what this topic is. Like, you know, like we talked about, you guys are hardcore gamers in many people's eyes, probably the vast majority of the population's eyes. But if I walk into a convention, sometimes I feel like I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> right. Then you become those casual gamers. Like, oh, yeah, I'm not into it as much as you are. And that can cause other problems, too, because when you have this issue of um, – actually, let me – someone mentioned this. Oh, all right. I'm not going to find it off the top of my head. Oh, I here we go. Christy okay. said it. I think that anyone who plays games at all in any capacity is a gamer. Terms such as casual gamer or hobby gamer can help avoid the problematic destination of not a real gamer, which can be used in a gatekeeping kind of way. And I, I want to make sure that everyone understands that that's not what we're talking about. We are not talking about giving anyone the ammunition to say, you're not a real gamer. You don't belong here. I think casual gamers are just as much gamers as anyone else. Anyone who wants to play a game, who wants to sit down, they belong at the table. Exactly. There is no reason that anyone should be telling someone else you don't get to sit at the table. And I think that some conventions do a much better job of this than others. I think when you go to a convention, there are a lot of games that says newcomers welcome, rules will be taught. You know that you're able to go to any of those tables. And I, I think there's a element of people who really want to play that don't want to sit and listen to the rules again. And that can feel a little gatekeeper, a little like we're keeping you out of this. But I understand the perspective of like, I only have so much time and I don't want to spend it teaching someone new this game. I just want to play this game that I really, really love. And I know the rules backwards and forwards. And I want to play against other people who already know the rules backwards and forwards. And and I see that like putting the beginner, intermediate, advanced categories on things, as long as there's enough of each category can be really yeah. helpful. Well, and I think if you go with that advanced category, you know, re experience required category, yeah. you are automatically going to be taking out a lot of people that you could bring into the hobby. Sometimes it's necessary. When you talk about magic tournaments or tournament play in general, you know, that's going to happen. But I will say that for the most part, and especially at conventions and things like that, it'll say beginners welcome. You do not need to know how to play. It, it should look like a pyramid. It yep. should be the bottom level is much wider. We've got a base of people who are learning to play these games, who are doing these things, who are bringing people up to these next levels. And a lot of times, 
you know, it's really helpful to have somebody who has a lot of experience sitting at the table. They're going to be able to catch things, even if they're not the one teaching the game. They're going to yep. be able to say, like, this is how this works. This is what's going on. And, you know, the more people who know what's going on, as long as they're doing it with kindness, are helping people to become the next level of gamer. And I think that our goal as hobbyists should be to spread the joy of our hobby with more people. Yeah. The hobby will thrive as we bring people into it. You bring people into it by taking people who we don't want- normally play games and letting them sit down and be part of the game. We want more and better games. And the way we get more and better games is people make money making more and better games and selling them to people. And Which it's awesome and nice. Question, <laughs> Fletcher, have you ever been to a game convention? I have not, no. Not a not a board game convention, no. So, but even like a video game convention. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, have you ever been interested in going to a board? Do you even know that board game conventions exist? Uh, I did once I met you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I, I mean, there's 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 cons for everything, right? So, I mean, if if someone asked me and if I thought about it, then like, yeah, obviously, board game conventions exist. I'd never really ever thought about it before, though. So now, now that I've talked about Gen Con and things like that, is that something? And, and I don't know that we've gone into detail about what happens at them, except for most of my vacation time is spent at conventions. <laughs> like, oh, what convention are you going to this time? Um, like, what does it con- in, in your mind? What does a board game convention look like? Oh man, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea until I I uh, Origins twenty seventeen was my first game convention. And up until then, I had no idea. It's like a mystery. All right. So I want to see. This is because we're going to get you to some (laughs) conventions, but we want to refer back to this. So, I mean, I would assume that every convention has some kind of, I don't want to say theme, but for lack of a better word, like theme, like you've talked about these different gaming conventions. So there's like a different kind of thing. Obviously, it's a different location. But like what I would imagine would be like lots of, Empty tables gonna get filled up by people playing different types of games, uh, along with some kind of like vendor area. Um, but yeah, that's, that I mean that's pretty much what I think of. That's not too far off. I've described it as a a Walmart where a Walmart 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 with Wal-Mart. nothing Walmart Walmart mm-hmm. with yeah. nothing but games in the dealers hall. Um, yeah, and some some conventions do have just a bunch of tables that get filled up. Those ones are cool. There's yeah. I'm going to bring you to a couple different ones, as many as you can go to. <laughs> and I'm going to be, we're going to revisit this because. I think it's really interesting because the more you go to conventions too, the more you realize there's more stuff going on at them. Yes. Because when you go with Chris, you might think that the dealer's hall is all that there is. It's all that matters. <laughs> but the more you go to different things, like the more I went with Spencer, the more I realized, oh, there's a lot of like D&D Adventures League stuff going on. There's a lot of role-playing games going on. Seminars. If you're going with Sydney, you know that there's a lot of demoing to be done. You are going to go try new and different things. Yeah, I don't know anyone who goes to seminars. Maybe that's going to be my thing. Maybe I'm going to start going to talks and actually sitting down and listening to people. Even though you've been to, you've paneled several I've paneled several. (laughs) Paneling is a little bit different, though. (laughs) It's just the difference what side of the microphone you're on, really. Yeah, and I think live shows are a little bit different than a panel. Yeah. And I've been to book conventions where I have gone to different panels, different Q&As with authors. And I'm not sure if it would feel the same for gaming and game designers and people in the industry there. 
because I've been to a lot of live podcast recordings at various conventions, our own as well as others. But uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to go check out some panels, maybe Origins, Gen Con. Well, what I find really interesting, because you can say that a casual gamer isn't someone who knows about conventions, you know, or a non-gamer doesn't know about conventions, doesn't go to conventions or whatever. You can say that. But I find at these conventions, there are a significant amount of the population that are just there to check things out. And they're not hardcore gamers. They're not super invested in the hobby. They just happen to have heard about this through a friend or maybe it's, you know, local in town or something. And they're showing up to like kind of explore it in a, in a like, oh, here's this thing that people are talking about. You walk into Gen Con and it's just an overwhelming amount of things. And you see people all the time that are just like, I, I have no idea what to do here. This is my first Gen Con. <laughs> I had no idea people were into it this much. Like, it's I crazy. think it's really interesting because there's like, all these different little niches within the larger convention. And if you go for just one part of it, you get to see the whole of it. And it can really, like, draw you into new parts of it that maybe you'd never see otherwise. All right. One more. Well, not one more. I have a couple more. (laughs) Patience for rules. So this is one that I was thinking about. Because I have a significant amount of patience to learn rules. Big, thick rule books you know, complicated rules. My patience for it is actually going down the more I get into the hobby. (laughs) But I do have, like, if I look at a rule book and I see it's a 40-page rule book, I'm not immediately going to throw it away. I'm going to be like, all right, let's start flipping through this and seeing what's going on. Fletcher, you've mentioned Kingdom Death Monster and Gloomhaven. Yeah. Two of the biggest, most complex games that there are out there, at least the common high-rated games. I don't play. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So although you are probably the lowest in in this group, the lowest on the casual hardcore scale, you seem to have a high patience for rules. Yeah, I think it comes from I really like more like role-playing games and Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I played Dungeons & Dragons like way back. So like reading the rule book and learning all about how to play every character and like min-maxing is something that I like to do i'm gonna get you on my side of the pathfinder versus D fight no you're not um. yeah did you just hear him say he loves rules i heard he loves rules all right you run me a pathfinder game <laughs> i know <laughs> i'll make you this really fast so it, it's something that like it, it's almost like oh if it has a big rule book like not the game must be good but there's like lots of like fun intricacies and lots of interesting ways to like play the game and so that's why, like, I don't know, I'm kind of more attracted to those games. Not that I don't have fun with, like, very simple games or anything, like Sushi Go Party. Um, but those are the kind of games where it's like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play a game with people for the next eight hours. Like, this is what I'm doing. So this is interesting because when I first got into um, board games, and because I, you know, my history is I've always played board games. But when I first got into the hobbyist post Catan board game market it was from that role-playing background yeah and i was looking for these really thick and meaty rule books and really complicated games because that's what i knew from role-playing yeah, from we're D&D, make- yeah. Like the same route that i came from yeah and we're making role-playing sound really thick and meaty it's not anymore it's very streamlined anyone can get into it reading four pages of rules and you can play DD. pathfinder 480 pages of worlds and you'll be fine <laughs> to be able to sort of understand what pathfinder is but 
I just made a bunch of people mad. I get it. but It's cool. They like me. Yeah. That's why you got to have one of each on a podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I do remember that time where I, like, I wanted these thick and complicated games. And now the more games I play that have more streamlined mechanics, because we played Wingspan. And Wingspan, you can take one of four action. And it is an incredibly involved game, but incredibly simple to learn. So what I love about the way Wingspan, and I believe Scythe and some other Stonemaier games too, they have like three different, four different books that come with them. And you have the one that you need to learn how to play. And then you'll come across symbols and things, and there's like an index that you look up. And I like that they keep it separate, because a lot of these books, you'll pick them up, it'll be 40 pages of rule book. But then you realize you only have to read the first three or four pages to actually play the game. The rest of it is, now we're going to address edge cases, now we're going to give you more info about the symbol like the symbols and all that kind of stuff. Some of them have backstories written about them. Like you've got credits for the art. You've got yeah. three pages because this was a Kickstarter. So everyone who backed <laughs> it on Kickstarter has their name printed in the book. And that takes up like three to 10 pages of names written in there. You never know what you're going to get with some of these rule books. So I like when they are separated out into read this first. This is what you really need to know. If you have a question, look it up in here. And this is, and I think Arkham Horror has the same yeah, thing. Yeah, so I was just going to say, Fantasy Flight Games does this. They have the Learn to Play book, and then they have the Rules Glossary, essentially. And you really can't learn from the Rules Glossary. It is, it's a dictionary of rules. You know, it's like, oh, what does this keyword mean? You look it up, and it tells you, and it references it back. But the Learn to Play, you can kind of go through. Two years ago, I gave you Arkham Horror the card game. <laughs> I said, it's a two-player game. We were doing a, I think we were doing it the couple. It was two-player games, yeah. we yeah. were doing two-player games It was games for a Valentine's Day. Yep. <laughs> and... And you took it and you looked at it and you started trying to read it. And then you're like, nope, too complicated, putting it down. If I were to give that to you today, is it something that you think you could actually go through now? Maybe. I'm I'm more likely to go through it now than I was then. But I still don't know if it's my style of game. I think it's 100% your style of game. I know it's like the more you talk about it, like the story based, like the exploring, the I I think I might like it, but I don't know if I've got the time or the money to put into it, honestly. And and so I'm not really trying to persuade you to play it. One of these days I'll actually have you guys (laughs) play it. But what I'm most interested in is two years ago, your patience for these rule sets was very, very low. Maybe. Maybe I was just not I mean, Cthulhu is not my favorite topic. And this was something that you had recommended I played with Spencer. And with him in mind, I thought no. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and that yeah. that was a big one for me, too, is, you know, it's not just do I want to learn these rules? It's am I going to learn these rules and then have no one to play with? And, now you and that can and, be very frustrating. Yeah, that's where I says, like, you know, if you're over, if you're more invested than your play group, then are you wasting your time? And that can be frustrating as well. Because I do think I have a lot of patience for rules. I just really enjoy learning. I really love streamlined rules. And I have a lot of patience to learn multiple games at once and be able to keep all the rule sets straight in my head and to be able to really interact with lots of different kinds of rules and how they make gameplay feel differently for kind of the similar casual level games each feeling different, unique in its own way. Like I have, I don't even know how many tile lane games I've backed on Kickstarter now, but 
they all have a different feel to me. And I'm more likely to bring out one versus the other, for, you know, in different groups and what kind of mood I'm in, what kind of play style. And they do have overlap, but I do have the patience to, like, learn the nuance. So I think we might have covered this already, but I, <laughs> I kind of want to put it out there. The number of games you own, does that matter? Fletcher, how many games do you own? Uh, if I had a guess, um, maybe, like, less than 15. Okay, and you do not own Gloomhaven. You do not own Kingdom Death. No. What is the most, like, complicated game you own? Uh, Probably Star Trek Fun- Frontiers. Okay, which, which is I a deck-building game, right? No, that's the... Oh, it's the miniatures game. It's the miniatures game, yeah. I actually haven't played it yet, Um, but that's probably the most complicated game that I have. And how did you acquire it? It was a gift from Carmen. So we need to play Star Trek Frontiers yeah. then. Because yeah. I have not yet played it either. I've heard good things about it, though. Yeah, I've heard good things about it, too. I watched a Let's, Let's Play. I've read some of the rules. But it's one of those things where it's like, Carmen's not going to play that game with me. So <laughs> well, <laughs> There Car- is a single-player campaign, but I haven't like gotten gotten to... like set up everything and like teach myself and then like play through the single you're player a week campaign. late to talk about solo games yes. sorry <laughs> although i'm curious have you played any board game solo uh as a only child growing up yes All right. <laughs> i played lots of i played like stratego like <laughs> solo solo i played monopoly solo oh that's so sad <laughs> well now there's a lot more games that are meant to be played solo yeah so yeah you, you'll you'll have a little bit more i used to I don't know that I ever played because I had a brother that was within a year and a half of me. So we would play, would be able to play games with my brother. But yeah, I could definitely see. I played a lot of games in my adult life solo again because I'm just more invested than other people. Yeah, I think like childhood Kitty like wished she could have played a game solo. Yeah, I had too many people I, <laughs> as one of four siblings. There was always somebody messing up my strategy, getting in my way, messing with my pieces. I would, though, if I was playing solo as a kid, I probably would have been like, all right, this one's my piece. And then I'm going to like nerf all the other things that I'm doing so that this one can win. (laughs) That's a tricky thing when you're playing solo against yourself. Yeah. One side of yourself wants the other side not to win, but that side is like, no, I'm dominant. So I'm going to win. It's a, it's a messy thing, but back to the number of games. (laughs) So, I have games in my collection that I don't actually love, but I have them there because I know other people would enjoy them. So sometimes these are casual games. Sometimes these are terraforming Mars. Um, <laughs> but in general, like I'll keep them around. You lose your gamer card if you don't own terraforming Mars. <laughs> no, no, no. Chris. Wingspan is terraforming Mars killer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on that train. <laughs> They're different games. They play differently. They're, but They're completely different. They are. They don't but feel I, the same at all. But if someone said, hey, do you want to play Wingspan or terraforming Mars? I'm going to pick Wingspan every single time. Now, that's it's not true. Maybe against a better ter- game. Yeah. In my opinion. I'm not going to say terraforming Mars is under everything else, but those two games I'm always going to <laughs> But um, so Kitty, your gaming collection, some of it's inherited from me. So it's just to hand me over games. Well, there are games I, you gave me like choice of like, I'm getting rid of these games and I picked like one or two out of the 10 you're getting rid of. So there are games that we had played together that I enjoyed that I would like to play again. So there, you know, I, I would have bought them at the store but I, you know, cut out the middleman. <laughs> yes. Uh, because you are basically like a retailer at this point. So you have enough games. Is your game collection for you or is it for you and Spencer? Or is it for you and your siblings? 
Like, how do you build have, that collection? And I, I do fill different slots. So I try to have party games. So if I have people over for a party, I've got a couple games that I can play that aren't Cards Against Humanity that I can teach people like, oh, hey, there's something better out here than that. <laughs> Um, I like to have games that just me and Spencer can play. I like to have games where if I'm having a dinner party of just another couple is coming over, we can play a good four-player game or games with player counts that are maybe a little bit more serious that are a little bit more high high player count. Like um, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a really fun one to bring out after dinner with a bunch of people. So Fletcher, what about your game collection? Are they targeted for you, things that you like playing, or because you're thinking of other people? Uh, so... I would say they're mainly targeted towards other people. Um, besides, like, maybe a couple that you've given me and Star Trek Frontiers, they're mostly on the more casual side. There's, um, I'm trying, there's Sushi Go Party. There's a number of other ones that escape me. Like, there's one called, the, like, the voting game. Uh, it's like a, it's a social interaction yeah. type of Sentry game. Sentry Gollum, because I know, because I recommend oh, Car- yeah. Carmen get that for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're mostly like on the more casual side, so you can bring them out and then... A bunch teach of people, them quickly. Yeah. yeah, you can teach them quickly to a bunch of people, and then they, everybody can participate right away. As opposed to like, let's bring out, you know... Gloomhaven, and I'm going I'm to teach everyone how to play this game. <laughs> All right, surprise. You came to my house for dinner, and now you're here for the next seven hours. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> or 70 hours if yeah. we're actually going to... Actually, it takes oh, more than boy. that to play through that campaign. <laughs> so, and I, I just think it's interesting, because I think that whether or not you own a bunch of games or not doesn't... Again, it's not an indication of whether where you are on that gamer scale. But I will say that why you own the games you own can be kind of telling. If I own only games that I love, I may be a hardcore gamer, but maybe I'm not as much of a hobbyist because I think as a hobbyist, I want to own a general collection of games I can bring other people and play in a lot of different groups. But I don't know if that's true, but in my mind... I see, like, I think I'm, like, right on the cusp there because I think I own games I want to play, but games I want to play within the different genres. So, you know, it's all things that are still of interest to me. And that's how I kind of keep my collection the size it is because I think I could have a much, much larger collection with your cast-offs, with what's going on. But I actually just gave you a box of maybe 10 games to give away. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I've been watching Tidying Up and they weren't sparking joy. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't spark joy to watch that show. To me. But I That's because you're a hoarder. I know. I, well, I just like my stuff. Um, <laughs> you're not persuading That's me exactly any differently. exactly what a hoarder would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I am not going to be owning Cards Against Humanity because I never want someone to come over and say, hey, let's play that's that game. That's what I want to play. Yeah, yeah, that's my whole collection so, is I don't want somebody to point at a game and be like, eh, nah. Yeah. But I will like, own yes, games. I'll play any of these. <laughs> yeah, I will own games that is like, I own them. They're not my first choice. But if someone's over and wants to play that, I'm okay playing it. So I'll give you that. Um, I want to... And with Chris Anderson here, uh, he says, 10 years ago, he was a casual gamer. He says, I really liked playing games, but mostly only played card games and a few old games we had forever. I would always be interested in a game, but made no special effort to seek out games or go to game stores or read about games. Now, so this is his casual gamer side. And I think this kind of sums up pretty well that, you know, 
you're interested, but you're you not. You own your own games. You know the rules. You can play them, yeah. but you're not really You're not engaged. pursuing new stuff, right. I love that term Eric used, the engaging, yep. the level of engagement. But then he says he met his wife, who introduced him to Ticket to Ride and Pandemic, and he was hooked. Now he owns over 100 games, logs his plays, 300 last year, and is regular at the gaming conventions, and he listens to a weekly hour-long podcast talking about gaming every week. (laughs) So, hi, Chris. Um, Basically, I think this kind of sums things up really well, is I I think we're all gamers at heart. Like, anyone who says, I hate games, I'm pretty sure... They're playing the wrong games. They just haven't found the right ones, the games that speak to them. That, and it's really hard to hate games i feel like if you ask them what they do you would find like that's a game technically exactly Mm -hmm. they're doing there's something but there are aspects of there's aspects of about hobby games that people can hate i hate learning rules i hate having to set things up i hate having to organize you know people coming over there's there's a lot of things to hate outside of games we're just hating games is like eh. i think all games are monopoly and i hate that exactly or i think all games are monopoly so why would you play anything but monopoly yeah, like <laughs> you can go extreme casual there, right? But I think as you get introduced, and as other people introduce you to things, there's a gamer in all of us. And when we talk about casual gamers, we're just talking about people that are interested in playing games, and they're they're people that you can say, "Hey, let's try this or let's try that." You know, we talk about on the show a lot about the different types of games and personalities and what we like and what we don't and why. And that's the biggest thing is why do we like or dislike or feel about certain things? It's not that we feel those things. That That's not the important part. It's just asking why, why is this? And I, that's what this whole topic is really about. Why are people casual gamers? And, you know, how can we say... Come join us, be in our group, and maybe you will be the most experienced gamer in your group forever. Or maybe you get invited to a group where you're like, whoa, I thought I was hardcore. I'm nothing (laughs) compared to this. And whenever that happens, understand that intimidation. Understand what you feel like when you are the low one of experience in that group. And that's what most of the gamers that the listeners of this podcast are playing with for those casual gamers. It's like, okay, this is a bit overwhelming. Keep that thought in mind, and I think you can kind of learn something and and bring in bring all those casual gamers and just make everyone let us all just casually have fun together. All right, anything else to say on this topic before I torture Fletcher? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh boy, I haven't looked at the end of the notes. I'm excited. So Fletcher, um, one of the things that we do on this show is we read the Patreon names at the end of every show, and we've been mixing them around a little bit. But since this is your first episode, you get all of the names. So I'm just giving you that heads up so you can start looking at them and being like, okay. Um, These are all tagged with Josh, so I don't think I read these. (laughs) (laughs) Control F. (laughs) Control R, replace. Um, But before we get to that, I do want to announce that we have our convention schedule. Well, at least I have my convention convention schedule. schedule. And so I wanted to mention what we are planning on doing for this year and some of these will have more than just me at it um some of them will have Sydney Spencer and I, and I need to sit down with our calendar this yeah. week and plan out our next you know nine months apparently <laughs> yeah. and I won't um like we're not going to talk about these every single episode we'll remind you as we get closer to them a few of them are earlier up one of the things I do plan on doing over the next couple of weeks is updating the website and doing a ton of updates on all of this I know a lot of the things on the website are old I've been getting emails saying hey you need to update these things <laughs> so I will do that oh but, I should write myself a biography yes 
and, and we should pick pictures up there too because there's oh, yeah. so much we can do there. So um, GaryCon is March 7th through 10. That's in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. It's a convention to celebrate Gary Gygax, uh, creator of Dungeons and Dragons. Not to be confused with Gary, Indiana. Not to be confused with Gary, Indiana. <laughs> um, it's about 40 minutes, five minutes from my house, so I will be there. Adepticon, March 27th through 31st. This is in Schaumburg, Illinois. Also about 45 minutes from my house, just in the other direction. I will be there playing Keyforge basically for three days straight. It's right in between us, so we should be able to figure this out. Exactly. <laughs> Fletcher, you should show up to that one. Okay. That one's... Easy to get to, too, because you just take it, basically, I think you take the blue line there and you just, are, no, it's Schomburg, so I'll have to pick you up from the blue line, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> Gaming Hoopla in April 26th. This is a tiny, tiny little convention in Mundelein, but if you're in the Northwest Chicago area, hang out there. Origins, we will be at, um, I think, Kitty, you will be there, planning on it anyway. Trying to get, we're, I need to organize babysitting. Right. Gotta contact those grandmas. Yep. I think we will be bringing the baby to Origins. So, yeah, because your baby doesn't rampage yet. Yes, he'll be small or enough. Or he won't. <laughs> yeah. He's not born yet, but I'm sure he will rampage at yeah. some point. <laughs> yeah, he could be. Like I say, I, I expect Sadie to go into labor any minute now. So every time so we record, I'm like, As you literally just check your watch. watch. I know, I'm yeah. checking my watch. Like, where are we going? Um, Gen Con will be the next one. That'll be in August. And then Gamehole Con in October 31st through November 3rd. Gen Con, we will have a live show every year. We give everyone who shows up for the live show something. Um, these are just games that I need to get rid of. Um, and now Kitty needs to get rid of. And yeah. then Gamehole Con. I reached the next level. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gamehole Con, I haven't confirmed it yet, but we most likely have a booth there and be doing games. The same thing we do every year. That we've been doing the last couple of years. So those are our conventions for this year. Um, if you are going to be at those, you want to get a game, just email, email us. Um, feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. If you want me to read it faster or you want me to know about the convention, just put the convention in the title. If you want to follow us, we're on Facebook. We're at slash Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter is Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty is awful good mom. Josh is Josh's bond. I'm Game Master Chris. We will eventually get Fletcher a Twitter address as well. <laughs> Netfletch. Netfletch? Yeah, at Netfletch. All right, at Netfletch. Boom. Putting that in there. We're, Josh is still part of the podcast. He's just going to be a lot less often. So Fletcher is our, I don't want to say... I'm going to say permanent Josh replacement, and then Josh will be a guest host, whatever he's on. Okay, we rolled for it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He rolled a three. Josh rolled a one. It was bad. (laughs) That's harsh. Oh, my gosh. I was going to go with a nat 20, but okay. Um, Let's see. If you want to uh, help us out on Patreon, that's tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. Uh, Mike, I'm going to take you up, or Michael, I'm going to take you up on your offer to teach me about Discord, so we will be... At least as much as possible, but one of the Patreon benefits will be you can be listening to us record live on Discord and tell us when we're wrong in real time. And <laughs> Tell me right. what the name of that kind of graph is. Exactly. <laughs> Spider something or other. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening. And remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com and you'll be entered into a $50 gift card drawing on our next feedback episode. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. <sighs> Emil Jiljam, George Adam Harrison, the SGC, Thomas Achiretti, Samir Biswas, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Michael Ohl, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Hamowitz, Jerry Hong, St- Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer, Jennifer Engel, Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David 
Cadet Rad- Radke. Man, I'm good. sorry. You're doing great. Mick. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Quick. Quickstra, ah, da- David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Yannick- uh, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Swart- Swartzell, Jordan Livingston, Chad Covey, Ann Reynolds, Eric Hoffman, and Andrian Dong, Christopher Vincent, Nate Faz Flintram, <laughs> Sean Peck, Eric Eric Salander. Mike Smith. Correctly. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Christy Mayer, Tever- Trevor Davis, Wesley Ta- Trailer, Tim Vering, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Walk. Man. <laughs> Walk of Act. When I'm reading all these names back to back to back, I don't even have a chance to think. Barry Peterson, Ben Gary, Emil Jewell, Jacobson, and Mer- Marina Stevens. <laughs> Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, so we had to haze you, but <laughs> I think except for well, you probably you got about half of them right. Only half. So let's see: Nick Quickstra, Michael Yanikowski, Phil Schwartzel. Christine Meyer. Um, Christine, yeah, Christine Meyer. Um, Adrian. That Don. could go either way. It could. Well, she has told us in person. Yeah. Well, I don't. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm the only one from Chicago, so I say it right. Jesse Walkoviak. Walkoviak, yeah. Walkoviak. And Ben Gari. At least that's how Tim Verning. Vernig. Yep. I did it wrong, even. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thank you again. We'll we'll give you more practice later. And- oh, good. More practice? <laughs> yeah. We normally split it up a little bit more so that we kind of pass them around. But I, I like um, the first time. It's just the best way to go. So this was Fletcher's second first episode. So first, I'm going to go to Fletcher and say, Fletcher, how did you do? I mean, I think I did great, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> did you listen to this episode or any of your episodes after? Mm, no. No, so this is the first time that I've heard myself... Well, actually, no. When we went back and I listened to the very first episode that I was in, 37? 35? 35. Uh, uh, that was the first time like I re-listened to myself um, just a few weeks ago. Well, I guess actually just a week ago. In real time, a few weeks ago for all the listeners. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this was pretty much like first, second time that I re-listened to... Myself on the podcast. I listened to you guys a bunch, but not me. Um, actually, I lied. It was episode 30. 30. But, yeah, so <laughs> I will say the one thing that struck me here is just like Josh over the last seven weeks, uh, you have improved quite a bit on reading the patron names. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love the first reads of the patron names. Oh, my God. It was terrible. <laughs> I love making listeners do it now because then it's like a first read every exactly. Time. Oh yeah. my god, that's such a good idea! I didn't realize you guys do that. Yeah, now. we do that now. It's we great. have occasionally. Yeah, there's about twenty or so episodes where listeners have recorded and sent in the names. Wow. So, Josh, what did you think of Fletcher's uh, I performance? Loved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it was it was interesting to hear you know the the conversation around Carmen who was just your girlfriend at the time and then Chris is like for now <laughs> for now I <laughs> totally called it <laughs> totally called it yeah it was um, so obvious yeah <laughs> good work um but uh yeah I mean it was interesting hearing you guys talk about categories of people and you know the hardcore versus the casual and and I'm and, you know it was kind of where you landed which was you know don't put people in boxes all right just don't do it I don't like it I mean I just <laughs> I don't know I don't know if it's because I hate rules in general or categories or like trying to like really tightly define anything I think you're over analyzing um, the situation you know, <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah. I, so my I favorite like- part of this like series of re-listens is that we listened to episode 19 in which Chris directly quote says we don't do definitions and then we get to this episode in which I say we are all about definitions. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, how much has changed in a hundred episodes. Continuity errors. Whoops. <laughs> well, it's actually kind of surprising. I mean, 74, 5, and 6, those obviously go together. But if just the eight that we've done, if you listen to like the through of them, they all talk and relate to each other in different ways. Some are foreshadowing. Some are flashing back. And, you know, Kitty mentioned last week, it's like we have six stories and we just keep using them over and over and over. <laughs> Why do we have any listeners left? I don't get it. You've all you've heard everything <laughs> we have to say. Just, yeah, move <sighs> on. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> Don't do that. Chris Don't. is really trying Stop to get us on the podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say, I next thing you know, he'll be telling you to just patron us for one week and then drop it. Yeah. No, go to patron. We we want you. We we need you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. This episode, you had a one-year-old, and I had. Oh, was he? He wasn't born yet. Maybe he was. No, uh, he wasn't. No, I don't remember. No. But I do remember still the duct tape thing, um, which is still (laughs) my parenting technique. Works just fine. Um, I like where we ended up, though, where even though we're putting people in boxes and labeling them, uh, it's a sliding scale. And it depends on what direction you're looking from as to where someone looks like in relation to you. Uh, Really, everything is just kind of in relation to your viewpoint on the world. And it it almost became kind of a, a... meta labeling episode where it's like you know something sometimes fletcher's casual sometimes he's hardcore sometimes you know like <laughs> it's i don't know and it, we never really did settle no candy crush is always casual that 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 i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw out there well i, I don't have a, know i have kind of a question so i remember hearing that fletcher you are kind of a play to win kind of person i remember you mentioning that in this one are you still that person? Because they, the other two were saying, oh, you know, when you've done this for long enough and you're all high and mighty like we are, <laughs> you'll, you'll just be in it for the game. And so, I don't know. Were they right? I mean, they, they were obviously lying when they said that to you. <laughs> uh, no, I'm still a play-to-win kind of person. Like, I, I definitely want to win a game. And I think, uh, yeah. like I mentioned before, like, even though I might take, like, a midterm strategy in a game where... Um, I might be just learning it or just trying to do it. Like, I'm still trying to win. I still definitely want to win. Um, yeah. And that's what I'm going for. But I don't, I don't, I'm just not like playing like, oh, I wonder what these widgets do together. I'm going to poke this thing over here and just like try to like figure out the game. Like, no, I definitely want to win. Sweet. I'm definitely of that mind too. Yeah. I do think it's it's funny. It took us 
the entire episode and we still didn't come up with the spider chart label. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we just kept tap dancing around it. It's like, it's just a spider chart. It's totally, yeah. Is it called a spider chart? Yeah. If you Google spider. I didn't even look it up today. (laughs) That's what it is. I I kept yelling at us like, wait a minute. Are you, are we really not going to, we're just all over the place. No, it's called a radar chart. Oh, no, it's not. All right, fine. Maybe it is. According to Google. Maybe I call it a spider chart because of this episode. All right. right. (laughs) I'll give it that. Um, The other thing. If you Google spider chart, it gives you radar chart. Well, see. So enough people make that mistake that Google fixed it for me. (laughs) Or maybe we shouldn't be labeling things. And and it can call itself whatever it wants to call itself. Those mathematicians (laughs) and their use of. Terms. It's a polygon chart. How about that? (laughs) The radar chart is also known as a web chart, spider chart, spider web chart, star chart, star plot, cobweb chart, irregular polygon, polar chart, or caveat diagram. (laughs) So we got about four of those. All right. All right. That's good. I totally guessed polygon chart. Yeah. Thanks, Wikipedia, for that. So, Fletcher, I do have a question. Have you ever yeah. played Star, Front- Star Trek Frontiers yet? Uh, I actually haven't. <laughs> so, <laughs> I haven't played at it the multiplayer. Time, yeah. You haven't, you haven't played it at all, or you have... I haven't played it multiplayer. I, I've played a little bit of, like, the first-person um, kind of campaign. The solo? The solo mode. Okay. So, but, yeah. if... During the episode, I had no idea what you were talking about. I thought I did. Um, but it turns out I didn't. Star Trek Frontiers is... <laughs> this is the one that has hexes, right? And you build out as you yes. kind of explore the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a reskin of Mage Knight, which is yes. basically oh. saw as one of like the best solo games ever made. Don't play this game multiplayer. Don't worry about it. It's not a multiplayer game. It is purely a solo <laughs> game. Play it solo. Play it proud. That's how... The vast majority of oh. people who have this game are probably playing it. All right, then I'll try that. Now my only problem is I just need like a, a not a semi permanent, but I need like enough time and space to like lay it all out. That's my biggest problem. Yeah, <laughs> I need a I need a large enough horizontal surface for long enough time to play this game. <laughs> that is yes. true because it is still that a couple is one hours. of my biggest problems. I think I would do more solo gaming, or honestly, me and Spencer would do more of the kind of game like Chris and Sydney do, where the, when they play Star Wars Rebellion, I want to say, yep, um, where you can just like set it out, play a few turns, and walk away, and then come back to it. But we don't have like our only table is our dining room table, and we use that to eat at, so <laughs> it doesn't really work. And you know, we have a large dog and a toddler, and now a new baby and there's just so much you can do with a dining room table table and a coffee table without you know pieces being ingested (laughs) we bought our house with gaming in mind so i have the game room which almost always has a game game set up the dining room which is almost always has a game set up and then we eat in the living room and (laughs) even the kitchen counter you also have a table in your kitchen yeah half the time the kitchen counter is set up for like a game and stuff right now it has a giant two foot by three foot cutting pad on it so that i can make some foam core inserts for various games (laughs) and a hot silly i thought you were gonna make food (laughs) (laughs) 
There's food on the other, like, you know, foot and a half of the counter. That's that's where the food gets made. Uh, another thing we mentioned at this one was Discord, uh, which we never did get working for <laughs> listeners. But Zoom is, has saved us. So that's our that's our Zoom. Um, yeah, this I, I really enjoyed re-listening to this episode. Actually, I enjoyed re-listening yeah. to all of these episodes. Well, I actually had another question for Fletcher because at this particular episode he had never been to a convention and i'm wondering have you actually gone to one yet and if you have what have your first impressions and experiences been so i actually still haven't gone to a convention i was planning on this wow. year <laughs> this year was the year where i was going to go to conventions but then wow. you know the giant pandemic happened so i still haven't still no, haven't that's gone. totally understandable yeah surprised that chris hasn't bullied you into it yeah he did that to me Oh, no, no, no. We invited him to, like, four different ones, and he always had some excuse as to why he couldn't go. Yeah, he had a life and things to do. (laughs) (laughs) All the convention days were inconvenient. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now there are none. trip to Vegas already planned. Hmm. (laughs) Ridiculous. We'll we'll get you to a convention at some point, I promise. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, I just have to make fun of Fletcher because Chris made fun of me for not going to a convention with a two-week-old baby. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Zach, Zachary went to, by the time he was four months old, he had gone to like six conventions. Yeah, but you're insane, Zachary Chris. is a much more chill child than mine is. Well, Player three, I, we were talking in this episode about rampaging, and I was like, oh, just wait till your child rampages. I still haven't ever seen your child rampage the way that mine rampages. Nah, he's not that much of a rampager. He likes to be picked up, and he likes to... Yeah, he doesn't really rampage. He's he's much more yeah. of just kind of a grab-a-book, sit-down, and flip-through-the-pages toddler. <laughs> yeah, whereas my kid looks like a Viking. He's like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but like I said, I just listening back to these older episodes, hopefully the listeners, you guys really enjoyed um, flashing back. And if you didn't flash back to them... Hopefully you just appreciated being able to skip to the end because I put timestamps in all of the episodes so you can go directly to the new content if you wanted to. Um, oh, I'm so glad you made that known during the last of these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, I have been saying it at the beginning of each episode. You guys just don't know oh, due to the way the time space that. works. Yeah. Podcasting <laughs> time space is, is just doesn't work like that. Um, it's almost as complicated as Back to the Future. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm fading away. But next week is episode 201. So, Josh, episode 200 took eight weeks to complete. Technically nine. So now (laughs) we've covered the 200th episode and the 208th episode of Coolness, which is this is the 208th episode. Oh, yes. That's (laughs) it, guys. Four whole years. And that is, I mean, four revolutions around our parents' son. That's a really monumentous occasion. (laughs) 200 who gives a you know there was a leap year in there there was an extra day we've been on the air for so long that's crazy it's true wow and yeah um i was gonna say that feel like an accomplishment (laughs) (laughs) we've sustained for four years um so next week though to we are going live on zoom again and if you are in our live audience next week so check out tabletopgametalk.com slash live uh, if you're in our live audience, when we are at the end of the show, I will be picking someone from the audience, only from the audience, and you will win a $100 gift card to Cool Stuff or Amazon, your choice. 
Uh, so this is our way of like kickstarting things back into gear and getting stuff started. We want to really kind of bring people back. I feel bad taking, we took a two month break right when we had, you know, started our live audience and figured out how that works. It's like, oh, never mind. We're going to just break for two months. <laughs> so this is why I'm, I'm paying you to come back. Bribing. I'll try to plan my third wow. child more uh, in line with our podcasting goals. My bad, Chris. Well, you did the second one fine, actually. You got to take a break right after episode 200. <laughs> I don't know. We're I, not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> Our listeners might be hearing this right now being like, Kitty wasn't on episode 200. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that baby did not cooperate. <laughs> Ooh, that's a lot of editing if that doesn't work. But we'll see. We'll see how that works. <laughs> um, so, Josh, are you going to come back and join us in the future? Oh, I'd love to. Let's do this again sometime. All right. So Josh has an open invitation, and he knows how to dial in. So all you're gonna do <laughs> is go to tabletopgametalk.com/live. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're if you're there, you're in. Um, let's see what else. Like, ah, I I I kind of am gonna miss doing all these listening to content that we've already recorded that we don't have to record. We've recorded a lot of new content in the last two months, though. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've aired a lot of new content in the last two months. All good. <laughs> All right. Anything else to wrap up our, is it a sabbatical hiatus? What would you call this? I'd say it's a, a uh, break? hiatus sounds nice. Hiatus. Okay. Anything? Mm-hmm. Is this our mid-season break? Is this season <laughs> yeah. one? Season it's one. It's taken four years yeah. to create season one. <laughs> <laughs> so past Kitty... Do you have any advice for a future kitty who now has a two-month-old baby? I don't know. She's sleeping better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope Sounds she like has better thinking. advice for me. I am done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping that everything is awesome. And let's see. I will have yeah, right a Right now, I have one. a baby with the hiccups within me. <laughs> and it is so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, we're about... At this point, um, as you're hearing this podcast, we're about a month away from ours. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah. three months, three months behind me. So that makes sense. Yep. And hopefully I'm still employed. That would be nice. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) pandemic life. Otherwise, everybody's going to get a $50 gift card. Nothing else has. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Hopefully the murder hornets haven't come for us all yet. Oh, right. The murder home. Man, they were just in and out of the news like in no time flat. Yeah. Not Turns a good. Turns out that murder hornets weren't that big a deal. <laughs> yeah, not a good year for murder <sighs> hornets to try to make the news. Huh. <sighs> All right. Well, oh, this, is, 2020. <laughs> this is two months in our future. So there is absolutely no way that we can predict the state of the world. So really, we're just hoping that it's still around. Um, yeah. Good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully you're not listening to this as the purge happens for real <laughs> oh so good so Ooh. bad so horrible um <laughs> all right josh one more time Whew, the pressure's on <laughs> all right well finally a huge thank you to our patrons adam harrison the gift of games jason strong terence miltner stephen seitz brian arnold sean b kelly c marie rudy rudy, 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 rudy benjamin heimowitz jerry wong 
Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanagowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Anne Reynolds, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric C. Lander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Glenn Cotter, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verhurst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, Zahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keith, Nicholas Lotz, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, David Rank, Sam Lacey Brown, and Christopher Comstock. Oh, it's over. <laughs> <laughs>